With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Kedushin Daf Mem Vav, page 46. We begin three lines from the top. Itmar. We learned in an Amoraitic statement. If you have a woman who is a minor, and she became married without her father's awareness, Amarav, Rav says, Both she and her father can prevent this marriage from taking full effect. So basically what that means is just like the father can back out and say, I'm not interested in this marriage, so the, the girl before the father agrees to it can also back out. And thus, if the father agrees in the end, once she's already backed out, the Kedushin doesn't take place. There's no marriage. Rav Asi, Omar, Rav Asi says, Avia Velehi, that the father can do it, but she cannot. Ace for Rav Huna, Rav Asi. Rav Huna now challenges Rav Asi's statement that only the father can back out. That those who say that the challenger was made by Chiyabarav to Rav Asi. The verse says in regards to someone who seduced a woman or a girl, that if the father refuses, so the so then the, the marriage will not take place. And then the the, 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 sedu- the seducer has to pay a fine. All I know is that the father can back out. How do we know that she has also the ability to refuse this marriage? That's what the verse says. If someone shall certainly refuse, we call Malcolm. So why did it say this double doubly? So it's teaching you that there's an extra case of refusal. Now the case is where the woman, the girl herself, refuses, and in such a case, so that so then the marriage will not take place. So what do we see over here? We see it's a similar case where there's a, an original act that needs to be defined later on that's subject to some kind of refusal, and the girl also can do it. So that's a question of Ravasi because how could Ravasi say that the girl does not have the ability to refuse in a case where she originally had accepted marriage? without her father's consent. Amar lehu Rav. So Rav answers this question, even though Rav argues on Ravasi, but he answers for him and says, Look, this is the don't go after that case, which is an opposite case, meaning that case has nothing to do with what we're talking about, and therefore you can't prove anything. Why? Because I can answer you that that case in the in the pasuk is talking about where the seduction was done without the intent on the onset to marry her. And therefore, that's why she can back out. She can refuse, and both he can refuse. But it's not a proof that Ravasi is wrong. So the Gemara says, Peter, If there was no original seduction being done to, to get married later on, you need a verse to tell us that she can refuse and that he can refuse? So must be talking about a case, indeed, where the seduction originally did not happen in order to, to marry her later on. So what's the chiddush, what's the novelty here? It's coming to teach you that when not only when the father backs out, but also when she backs out, he still has to pay that fine, just like any other case of a seducer. says, If that's indeed true, it works out nicely because it follows the following that it says in the Raisa. The verse says they has to quickly marry her. What does this teach us? That he has to do a full-fledged marriage. Says Rabbi Yosef, if it wouldn't be talking about a case where you originally seduced her in order to marry her, why do I need a second marriage? So it's a proof that in fact the verses is talking about a case where the original seduction happened without the intent to marry. That's not true. Because it could be that you still need to do a second Kedushin despite the fact that you originally did intend to marry her. Why? Because you need to do a second action showing that you're marrying her with the consent of the father. We begin the Mishnah. Let's say a man says to a woman, be married to me with this date. His country, be married to me with this date. So since he separated each of the statements by saying, be married to me with this one, be married to me with this one. So therefore, only if any single one of them has the, the least amount of value that's necessary in order to get married, will they be married. But if any one of them doesn't, even if they all combined do have the value, nevertheless, she's not considered married because he made separate statements for each one. Bezu, ubezu, ubezu. 
let's say he says, be married to me with this one and this one and this one. If they all add up to the value of a pruta, then she's going to be considered married. But if not, then they're not considered married. If let's say she ate them as he gave them to her, so they're not considered married until any one of them, perhaps, or the last one of them, we'll see in the Gemara which one we're talking about, but let's just read the words as it says, as it says them. So she, they're not considered married until one of them has the Shavapruta, the value of a Pruta. We begin the Gemara. Mantane Iskachi Iskachi. Who's the one that holds that you have to, in order for them to be considered separate statements, you have to give a separate uh, word Hiskachi for each one? Amar Rabba, Rabba says, Rabbi Shimonu. Rabbi Shimini, it's Rabbi Shimon, the Omar, who says, In a different context, in the Gemara and Shavuos, so he says that in order for it to be considered separate swears, so you have to say a separate word of swearing on each and every statement, only then is it considered separate. The Gemara continues, We said on the mission, the second case, which was where you didn't say a separate statement of his kachi by each and every time that you gave her this day, but rather you said, I'm getting married to you with this and this and this and this. Now, and we finish off the mission with the, with the last case, which was if she eats in each and every one of them as, as it's being given to her. So if one of them has the value of a Shavapruta, we said, then it's fine. Ahaya. On which case is it going? This that we said, the case where she was eating them. If it's going on the first case, where he said a separate statement of his kachi for each and every time he gave her a date, why do we need to say that the cases where he's, where she's eating it, even if even if she hadn't eaten it, you still consider them to be separate things, and therefore you can't combine their values. Because you said to her a separate statement of Hiskachi in this one. Ella Asefa, so it must be going on the second case. What was the second case? Where you made one statement of Hiskachi, and then you said on this one, be married to me with this one, and this one, and this one. And she's eating them one at a time. So the Gemara says, wait, so she'll be married even if the first one that she got that she already ate, even if that one has a Shavapruta, has the value of a Pruta? This is considered like a case where you gave her money, you lent her money, and then later on you want to marry her with the money that you lent her. And the halacha is law is that you can't marry somebody with a milva. You can't marry somebody with money that you already gave her. We've got the table, we've got the meat, we've got the knife, but we don't have a mouth to eat with. Meaning, we have the Mishnah, and the, the words are in front of us, but we can't make heads or tails of it. So Rav and Shmuel both say, Really, I'll tell you what's going on in the first case. And we're saying, not only that. Not only in the case where it's actually placed in front of the woman. And do we consider that a separate statements, the Iyakashavapruta in Ilayloi, and we say that only if each one has a, has a pruta value and you can't combine them, but you might say that where she's actually eating them, eating since he's giving her enjoyment, she's eating it, perhaps in such a case, she agrees to give herself over to him. Kamash Malan, that's what we're coming to say, that even in such a case, even though she's eating them and she's enjoying them, nevertheless, since it doesn't have a Shavapruta, if any one of them does not, on its own, have a shavapruta, the value of a pruta, so it's not going to be considered a good marriage. Rabbi Ami, Omar, Rabbi Ami offers a different explanation. I'll tell you that the case where she's eating them is going on the second case, where he didn't make separate statements of, I'm marrying you. He just said, be married to me with this one, and this one, and this one, and each time she ate them. So, we had a question. We said, what do you mean one of them, if any one of them has a shavapruta, it's okay? What do you mean the first one, if, if the first one has a shavapruta, shouldn't 
work because it's considered a milve. He's like he's marrying her with money that he's lent her. And we said, you can't do that. So no. So what does it mean when it says, as long as one of them has a Shavapruta, only if the last one has a Pruta, since it's the last one that's being given, so before she eats it, the Kedushan is completed, he's finished doing his Maisa Kedushan's act of trying to marry her, and therefore, since the last one has a Pruta, then it's going to be considered married. But if, if any of the ones before that had a Pruta, indeed, they wouldn't be considered married. Amar Rava, Rava says, Shmami nami Rabbi Ami Tlas. From this statement of Rabbi Ami that he learns is going on in the second case, we can deduce three things. Shmami, now first of all, we can deduce that if someone tries to marry with a loan, you can't do that. And we also can see from here let's say someone gives this woman both money that he lent her and along with that he gives her a pruta which is going to be hers. So since that pruta is going to be hers, that's what she has her mind on and therefore it's considered that they, get, they have gotten married indeed even though he's also given her a milva alone. We continue on page 46b. You know, the third thing that we see is when he originally gave her that money, so what was his intention? Let's say he knew that it wasn't going to work. If he would know that it wasn't going to work, what would happen to the money? Would the money become a present to her? Or would the money become to her that it's, a, it's like a loan and she has to give it back? So what we see from here is that it's considered like a loan, that normally the money has to be given back if it doesn't do anything. And that's why it's a problem of a milva that's going to be a milva, like you're trying to get married with money that's a loan. Itmar, the Gemara continues. Let's say somebody tries to marry his sister. So Rav says that the money goes right back. Shmuel says no, the money was given as a present. Rav says that the money goes back because every person knows that he can't marry his sister. So why did he give it to her? He gave it to her to watch for him. So why didn't he tell her that he's giving it to her to watch for him? Because he thought that she was not going to accept the money if he says that. That's the reason why he's giving it to her. So but by saying that he's marrying her with it, so she'll hold on to it until he needs it back. Ushmuel Sava Shmuel holds Mois Matana that when he gives the money it's given as a present. Why? Every single person knows that he can't marry his sister. And he meant to give it over as a present to her. The name why didn't he tell her that he's giving it to her as a present? Because he he thinks in his head that she's gonna be embarrassed to take the money. So that's why he does it this way. Massive Ravina. Ravina asks a question on Shmuel. Shmuel who said that it's considered a present. We're gonna show you that it, maybe it's not true. Let's say somebody gives over. So there's a concept of chala chala is where you have a certain amount of dough. So you have to give a certain amount of that dough over to the Kohen. And if you don't give it over, so then you have a problem of tevel. It's called that you can't touch, you can't use the dough. So now, let's say somebody gives it over before it actually became dough. So the halach is you don't have to do it until it becomes dough. Let's say you did it though when it was flour, which you weren't supposed to do. Ain't a chala. It's not considered taken off. The gezel be at kohen. And it's considered stolen goods in the hands of the kohen. The kohen has to make sure to return it to the person who gave it to him. Now the Gemara says, Va my gezel be at kohen. Why is it considered stolen goods in the hands of the kohen? Why don't we say that every person knows that you can't take off when it's flour, and when he gave it to him, he meant to give it to him as a present. Just like we said, just like Shmuel said in regards to when someone's trying to marry his sister. He doesn't mean to marry his sister, he knows he can't marry his sister, so he's giving it to her as a present. Gemara answers Shani Hasam. Over there, it's different in regards to Chala. If we allow him to keep it, we're going to have a big problem. Because if 
because sometimes the coin himself will, will have a little bit less than the amount that is necessary to take off challah for v'hai, and he'll take this that he got as a present, alishlei, he'll mix them together with each other, because he'll think that this extra stuff that he got had already been taken off challah from it, and, but the truth is that it hasn't been taken off challah from it, so therefore the whole mixture that he has made now, it's required that he take off the challah, and what's he going to do? He's going to think he doesn't have to, and he's going to end up eating it, even though it's problematic, it's Tevel. So the Gemara says, wait, Amris, didn't you say, that every person knows that you can't take it off when it's flour. So the Kohen should also know that. So why is he going to make this mistake? The Gemara answers, people know and they also don't know. People know that you can't take it off when it's flour. But they have a mistake. They don't realize. They think, what's the reason why I can't take it off when it's flour? Because it's a bother for the Kohen. Because now he has to take the flour and make it into dough. But this Kohen, so he's been mochel, he's forgone on that difficulty, no, no, okay, he took it already, so it must be that he's fine with it, and the coin himself knows that he was fine with it, so therefore you might say that in fact he's going to come and do this, he's going to come and mix it up, and he's going to end up eating tavel, so that's why we say that it has to be given back to the person that gave it. Now the Gemara asks, Vitihavi truma, let it be considered that he gave it over to him, meaning let it not be considered that it's stolen. Instead of saying that he has to give it back, why don't we just say you have to take off challah from a different place, meaning inform the guy that this stuff that you've given over as flour, it was given over in an inappropriate time, so therefore you have to take off challah from it from another place. Miloitam, didn't we find in a Mishnah that we do indeed make such a statement? If let's say you take off, there are two different types of things. So let's say you have a of a pot that has a hole in it. So that has a din de oraisa from the Torah of taking off truma. However, if the pot does not have a hole in it, so then it's not considered attached to the ground, and therefore you don't have to take off truma mid the oraisa from the Torah, you don't have to take off the tides. Now let's say what you did was you took off from the thing which is the oraisa from the Torah, and you took off from there in order to take off on the thing which is not from the Torah. So now, so what did you do? You didn't do anything because because you can't use something which is truma de oraisa to take off for something which is truma only mid the rabbanon from the rabbis. So what's the halacha? So here we say that it's considered truma, and meaning you've given it to the kohen already, he's received it already, he doesn't have to give it back to you. So but what do we tell him to do? We tell him that you should make sure to take off trumas and mices. This thing that you received is a problematic thing, because this thing still has kedusha, it still has holiness, and therefore we tell the kohen that he needs to take off truma from it and miser from a different place. So what do we see? We see that we do that. So the Gemara answers, betray money size. Over there it's different because we have two different things that are happening there. We have two different flower pots. One has a hole, one doesn't have a hole, and it's clear that one has a full-fledged obligation and one does not. So therefore, the Kohen, when he sees what happened, he's going to listen. But here we're talking about one thing, one object, so to speak. We're talking about the flower, and, it t- and the guy took off from the flower on itself. So there it's not as clear that there was a problem. So therefore, the Kohen would not listen. The Ebais Ema, another possibility is really the Kohen would indeed listen. But the problem is the reason that we make him give it back is because the, the guy who gave it to him originally will think that he already took off the flower. And he'll think that he took off his challah and he'll end up eating the flower as if he had taken it off. Which is in fact not true. He made a mistake. The Gemara says, wait, I thought we said that a person knows that he can't do it when it's a fl- when it's flour. 
So we say, Yodea ve'ene Yodea. He knows and he doesn't know. Yodea shemafrish nechalak hemach. He knows that you can't take it off when it's flower. Ve'ene Yodea. He doesn't know the silver time of my mishum tirch the kohen. So here you have the balabais, the guy who originally gave it, making the mistake. He thinks that the reason has to do with the fact that it's a problem because the kohen's going to have to go through all this effort to make his flour into dough and then make the dough into the bread. So tirch the kohen kamlale. But the guy already accepted upon himself to receive this thing as it is. So maybe the guy would think that it's okay and his stuff was already fixed. So that's why we have to say no. The kohen has to give it back so that it's clear to everyone involved that it wasn't taken off properly and needs to be taken off again. Now the Gemara asks, Why don't we say that it's considered that he gave it to him? The Kohen should not have to give it back. And why don't we tell the Balabais, the guy who originally gave it, to give it again? We find the Mishnah says to do something like that. Let's say you took off from something which is a lower obligation, where there's no hole in the pot, on something which is a greater obligation, which is an obligation from the Torah, where it does have a hole in the pot. So what do we tell you to do? It didn't work. But nevertheless, we say to you, it's fine. It's considered given over to the, to the Kohen and you take it off again. So we see that we do do that. So the answer is, So we can say again over here that since over there it's talking about two different things, two different things, you're taking off from one thing where it's clear it's a different obligation than the other thing, so then we'll, they will, a person will listen if we tell them to, to, do it, to do it again. However, with one thing, we're taking off from the thing itself on itself, so there people won't understand that there's a problem, and therefore they won't listen. Now the Gemara challenges that, but is it true that they won't listen when you take it from itself? Now we learn that a mission Let's say someone's taking off truma on cucumbers, venim samara, and the ones that he ended up giving turned out that they were bitter. Avatiach, let's say he's taking off on watermelons, venim se saruach, and it turns out the one that he gave for truma were not good. Truma, so it's considered a good, a good taking off, yasir vitrom, but he has to take off again. So what do we see? We see that we do tell a person, even when we're talking about the thing itself, we're taking off not from one thing on the other, but from the thing itself. Nevertheless, people do listen, we do command them to do it again. There it's different. The reason that we say to do it over there is because we're not so concerned, says Rashi, if the guy doesn't end up listening. Because over there, Mida Orisa from the Torah, he has indeed taken off Truma. It's considered a good Truma. Like the following statement of Truma. How do we know that if a person takes off bad stuff on good stuff, meaning he gives over the tithes from his bad stuff, that is considered a good tithing? As the verse says, You shall not cause yourself a sin when you take off the tithe if you haven't indeed succeeded in taking off the tithe when you use the bad thing why is it considered that you have this second the way Tosis explains this question is the verse already says that you shouldn't do it so clearly you have some kind of transgression so why does the Torah have to again say that you have a transgression so from this we see that when a person indeed takes off something bad from something good meaning he used a lower class thing for his tithing so despite the fact that he's done this, it does indeed work, and he's taken it out of being called Tevel. All the good stuff is now no longer called Tevel. It's permitted to eat it. It's considered that he's done something. That's why the, the verse repeats the fact that a person will get a sin, because you've done something, and you've actively completed that thing, and therefore now you get a double sin almost. I don't know if it's exactly a double sin. It sounds like not only do you get a sin for doing trying to do something which Hashem says not to do, but you also get a sin for completely doing something that Hashem says not to do.